Welcome to another Bisexual Brunch with Lewis Oakley, Ashley Byrne, but no Nikki Hodgson. She's on a beach somewhere, sunning herself and reading medieval bisexual novels. Ooh-er. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. So welcome to another Bisexual Brunch. And uh, uh, as we said at the top of the uh, programme, it's just me and Lewis this week because Nikki Hodgson is somewhere sunning herself on some beach reading bisexual novels, we think, medieval bisexual novels. She's got a, a sort of a, a weird interest in that medieval period, doesn't she, Lewis? Don't you think? Oh, uh, I know. I feel like the dumb kid in the class when we have someone intelligent on and they start um, going through, like, theories and literature and I'm just there like, what? And Nikki's like, oh, you mean, like, in verse five? Like... <laughs> Paragraph one, when they said this, and have you, she's, yeah, she's, um, she's great. <laughs> I think she's determined to get us dressing up sometime soon in uh, Shakespearean clothes or something. Uh, for, yeah, I know. I know. Coronavirus be damned. Nikki's not going to miss, um, not going to miss Halloween this year, I don't think. I don't think so. I, I think you're right. Anyway, I think. It's uh, also her birthday today. It is. Yeah. Was it today or yesterday? It was this week sometime, wasn't it? Her birthday. I've yeah. just been on her Twitter and there's balloons popping up all oh, over right. the place. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, on this week's show, we're going to be talking, well, as she's away, we thought we'd have the opportunity to talk a bit more about bi men. So we're actually going to be talking to a researcher based in Scotland who's got quite a lot to say about bisexual men. We'll be talking about biphobia, about bisexual men and their relationships and things like that. So we'll be talking to uh, uh, Sam Lawton very soon. Uh, but before we do, uh, just a few things to uh, to convey. Audiences, i.e. people who are listening to uh, this podcast, um, last week's show... We had more people in North America than we had in Europe, which I thought was interesting. Uh, We certainly seem to have a good following in North America. So hello to all our Canadian and American friends out there. (laughs) Great to have you on board. Um, And we've also had some lovely feedback um, through uh, Twitter, actually, from a guy called Steve, who um, has given us permission to read out what he had to say. And this is what he had to say. He said, hi, I've been enjoying listening to the podcast and wanted to get in touch and let you know how good it feels to hear people like me talking about stuff I've been thinking about for years. I'm late to the bisexual party after spending most of my life in a haze of confusion, conflict and horrendous mistakes. I'm 45 now and finally beginning to accept who I am and who I'm attracted to. Your podcast has come along at the perfect time for me and I can't thank you enough for showing me there are other people like me out there. Keep on doing what you're doing and long may bisexual brunch continue. Steve, kiss. There you go. That's nice, isn't it? That's wonderful. I love getting emails like that. Um, and, you know, to, to know that we're given a home, given a voice and talking about things that people just have not had the chance to uh, to talk about before um, is great. I mean, I, I'd love to do phone-ins with some of them. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think I've asked Steve, actually, if he'd like to come on the show at some point. He's not got back to me yet. But I think it would be something uh, would be nice to do to talk to people. And, and, you know, there may be people out there who feel a bit nervous about speaking publicly. But we can, as I said before, we can uh, change people's names. We can also change their voices if necessary, that kind of thing. I mean, it's what's sad about it is, you know, this guy's 45 and there'll be other people who are in their 50s and 60s and whatever who have spent their entire life feeling that they can't, you know, there's no way they can be accepted as bisexual. And these are the people we're reaching out to, really. And, and that's what I think is important about this this uh, this show. I mean, there was a little bit of a, a discussion on Twitter last week about how many bisexual uh, podcasts there are. And there are quite a few around the world. But I think, actually, um, and we're the only mainstream one in the UK, but I actually think ours is a bit different because we're I mean, you know, people will correct us if we're, if we're wrong, I suppose. But I just think we're talking to real bisexual people. Generally, that's the whole thing of what we're trying to do. We're not, we're not, I mean, we've had discussions on Shakespeare and all that kind of thing. But I don't think we're trying to be too academic. We want to be as real as possible, don't we, really? Not too academic. We're not trying to lead a conversation one way. What I really like is there's three of us. And what I really like about doing a podcast more than anything else is I can be wrong. Yeah. Like, I can kind of ask your opinion and what do you think? And have you experienced this? Whereas when I write articles, I have to be so kind of laser focused. And I've written articles in the past and, you know, people pick up on a line I've said in the sixth paragraph and said, this is wrong. It's like, what I'm saying is not gospel. Like, we're discussing. And I think we have really good discussions on this podcast. Well, we've got a fair few things to talk about over the next uh... Uh, half an hour or so, probably longer than that. That's the other thing about podcasting, going forever if you want it to, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but before we uh, talk to our researcher tonight, who's been looking at uh, research into bisexual men and, and their different issues and things, uh, let's just uh, hone in on an issue that you're dealing with, and we've not really talked about much, and, but it's rearing its head, well, um, it, 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 it'll, be, it'll be screaming and, and all the rest of it within a few weeks, I suppose. Screaming and screeching. Um, you're a, a bi man, Lewis, who's having a child. And uh, bisexuality and bi men having children is not often talked about. I mean, it's just not, you know, you just assume that, you know, it's not, it's just not talked about, is it? Tell us a bit about that, because you've done a bit of work on this in the past, haven't you? And tell us about what you're going through at the moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got a baby on the way. Um, the the other half is very heavily pregnant, um, and I think could be due any day. The due date is the 19th of September. So it's exciting. Um, it's one of those things, there's a lot of um, elements to it, and, you know, a lot of them are not discussed. And I think, you know, one of the things people always think about with the LGBT is this whole idea of, oh, LGBT parenting, you've got to adopt. And I think they forget that some LGBT people can obviously have children the old-fashioned way or or, <laughs> or however you want to put it. Um, and yeah, that, for me, it's, it's, it's great to have a child. I've always wanted a child. And if I'd have ended up with a guy, I would have wanted a child. You know what I mean? It's just so happens that I've ended up with a woman and we didn't have any hurdles um, that, that I might have had to have jumped if I, if I were in a same-sex relationship. Um, but yeah, I, it, there's a lot of elements to it. There's elements of, okay, so you're going to be perceived as straight for the rest of your life unless you go around to every person and say, oh, no, I'm bisexual, I'm bisexual, which is not really what you want to be doing at the um, at the school gates. But I'm very aware of when bisexuals get in relationships, they're either perceived as gay or straight. And it's part of the reason why you know, bisexuality is not taken 
as seriously. You know, I remember one person saying to me, oh, well, you don't get any bisexual 30, 30 year olds, do you? Let's say, of course you do. You just don't see them. You just think they're straight because they've got a kid, or you just think they're gay because they're holding a, a same-sex partner's hand. Um, so I'm definitely not going to lose my bisexual identity in having a child. It's very much still something I'll be talking about. And you know, I I, I think that she might be born this weekend, but uh, my fiance thinks she might actually be born on Vi- Bi Visibility Day. Uh, which is the 23rd of September. So, I mean, if she's really on brand in that way, that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, it looks as though she's going to be the week, because your, your birthday is in September as well, isn't it? It looks like it's going to be September. Yeah, mine's the 7th, so mine's just gone. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of act shocked about bisexual people having kids, but the statistics that I've got show that um, two-thirds of bisexuals say they either already have or want children. I mean, it's more bisexuals having a one in kids that they're not, right? Um, so it's quite interesting. And I know, obviously, a, a lot of bisexuals are in opposite sex relationships, so that kind of thing happens. But it's still worth, I think, talking about, talking about having kids and, and, and how that affects us. You know, I've obviously, I've not just got this baby on the way. I've also got a stepson who is 11 years old. And obviously, his friends have found me on Instagram with my top off and bisexuality splattered all across my face. And it's one of those things that you do worry about with the kids. And I think this is, you know, all parents, you you obviously want your kids to be safe and looked after. And for me, there was that worry of not so much will my child accept me, but will other children use this as an excuse to attack my child? And that is something that I worried about when I you know, I, it was too late because I was already out as bisexual and publicly when I came into my stepson's life. Um, but it has been a worry of like, oh, what if, what if I'm the reason that he gets picked on? But that's never happened. And, you know, kids these days, they are more open-minded in some ways. But yeah, I, I do think there's also this worry that, that you know, can kick in for bisexual parents of like, shall I just keep my mouth shut for the sake of the kids? Do I want to tell the other parents at the school gates that I'm bisexual? And then have them be like, oh, well, Tabitha can't come over anymore or whatever. You know, you, it, it's one of those things. Parents are very paranoid and worried about how their kids are going to be treated, if they're going to be bullied, if they're going to be picked on. Yeah. And, and when you feel like there might be something about you that could potentially contribute to it, 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 it is a worry. I'm just glad that for us, Touchwood, we've been able to... Um, to not have that issue. I suppose the other issue is, rolling things back a bit, is that, uh, and again, an area which we haven't properly covered yet, and I think we need to, and that's the other side of the story, That you know, in terms of the person who is coming into a relationship with a bisexual man or a bisexual woman or whatever, and his, isn't bisexual themselves, and is sort of have got, has got all those misconceptions and preconceptions about what bisexual is, and whether or not they want to commit to having a child with somebody who's bisexual, because whether we like it or not, there are issues out there in terms of people do worry about these things. They might not be legitimate issues, but you know what I mean? That is another area, isn't it? I mean, was that, I mean, I know you are very, you're very lucky like me. We're in bisexual, we're in relationships with people who are very accepting of us. But has that ever been an issue for you when you've contemplated and talked to partners about having children, the fact that you're bisexual and they might not be, they might worry about that? Um, I'm going to say no, and only because I would never have dated anyone that had an issue. 
Well, I'd like to think. I think that there may be a, a couple that maybe have an issue and, and that's why it didn't work out. But I think, no, I think, you know, people accept you. I think, you know, sometimes dating men and the idea of like, oh, well, I want kids. It's like, what's the point? You know, that issue obviously came up. But, you know, that's more to do with me always wanting kids than I think the bisexual thing. Do you think, though, because of the way things have moved on in terms of the whole acceptance of gay people in relationships, you know, aping in a way the sort of straight world in terms of having, you know, gay marriage or equal marriage, all that kind of thing. And and we we see uh, gay men now with kids, you know, Tom Daly and his partner uh, with children and all the rest of it. Do you think it's, um, in a way, just more accepted amongst the, by the wider community, looking at people who are gay than it is around the issue of bisexuality. Do you think the do you think what I'm trying to say is do you think bisexuality has more of a a challenge here than the than than the gay side of things? Hmm, I wouldn't say more, I would say different. Like let's not forget you're in Manchester, I'm in London. Seeing two men holding hands walking down the street is not a spoiler alert or or a shock. Whereas, you know, some other place in the UK is still are we going to get beat up to it? And still in London, you know, we've seen we've seen that people have been, you know, physically attacked for holding their partner's hand. With the bisexual issue, I just think it's different. I, I think it's different, and I think it's different depending on the gender of your partner. Even you know, um, we, we've been able to have children naturally, but you know, if we'd have had to go through um, an IVF route or an egg donor route or a sperm donor route or adoption, I think all of those play different. I think it's just it's a wild, big topic that maybe we haven't gotten into enough. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Now, now it's a, you, you know you're having a daughter. Um, yeah, is- unless it's been tucked in this whole time, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be quite hilarious now that we've um, we've kind of picked out a girl name and everything like that. Oh, are, you, are, you, are you able to let us know what the girl name is yet? Or is it you, you're not, not wanting yeah, to reveal I'm, it? Go we're on. telling you everyone. It, we've, got, we've got a little blanket embroidered with it. It's Maisie. Oh, right. Um, nice. The name, it, and I'm not kidding you, we, we had about five boy names okay. and girls, we just could not pick one that we liked. And it, in the end, I, I was basically, it was like, I want a, a girl name that's feminine but it's also like she could kill you if you look at her the wrong way. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorite characters is Maze on Lucifer, which obviously Maisie shortens to. Um, and it was just one night, like my girlfriend was like, oh, what about Maisie? And it, I was just like, oh my God, that I really like that name. And then it kind of linked to the TV show. And I was like, well, she's badass. Um, so it was kind of good on that front. And then um, Maisie has a Scottish origin name. So my partner is um, like of Scottish origin. Oh, and my nan who died the year before, it was apparently Spanish for Margaret, which was her middle name. So it just was like, oh my God, this name's got like a load of reasons why we should pick it. Well, next time we speak on Bisexual Brunch, you may indeed be uh, a father to Maisie. It may all, I know, there'll all be crying going on in the background. <laughs> well, it fits quite well, actually, this, because you were saying that there's a Scottish link to uh, the, your daughter's, your future daughter's name. And in fact, we're heading to Scotland next for our next feature on Bisexual Brunch. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So then, yes, we're headed to um, Scotland now to speak to Sam Lawton, who's a social researcher into bi men and their partners' experiences of relationships, identity and prejudice. Lovely to get you on uh, Bisexual Brunch. We'd love to talk to you, and we will talk to you, about your research and the work that you're doing. 
But before we do, what we like to do on Bisexual Brunch is hear people's personal stories and hear their personal journey, you know, of, of accepting themselves as bisexual and coming to terms with being bisexual. Tell us a little bit about that. How old are you, first of all, Sam? Uh, I'm 26 now. I've just uh, turned 26 in July. Okay, okay. And when did you realise, do you think, that you were bisexual? Um... It's it's always a it's always a difficult it's always a difficult question. It's one of the questions I ask um, my participants as well in uh, in my research project. Um, but I suppose there's always kind of like been an element of that. But the kind of like realization and the self identification, I suppose, like came in my teenage years. But I was probably about fourteen. But I had certainly used that label to describe myself. Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I guess one of the like the the early things that informed that was kind of like growing up in an environment which was very like liberal and accepting and I don't think I had any kind of I don't think I had any real idea that like that same sex attraction or like same gendered attraction was in any way a kind of like taboo thing or um or was like something to be looked down upon in any way because like I, I remember like very like early on I think um my mum watching a program and it was like just like two men like kissing each other or just like just kind of like caressing each other like quite nicely uh on the tv and and I was like oh like what 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 are those men doing she just said oh they're gay and I was like oh that's yeah and then it was it was never really it wasn't really until like school that all the kind of you know uh biphobia homophobia kind of thing um you know that i was really aware of that so i think i was quite lucky to be brought up in quite yeah an yeah accepting it sounds like you had a very um, very liberal um household there which which is which is great um yeah but what tends to happen is or tends to happen in the last few years i suppose is that you know more and more people have have seen gay couples on tv and things like that and everyone seems to have accepted that to to an extent but when you start to mention the word bisexual i've had this with my family you know we, we we've had people in our family who i've i've thought to myself they're, they're definitely bisexual and i've raised the issue and said you know what they, i'm sure they're probably bisexual and they can't sort of get it into their mind it's like they suddenly just go to be to the whole thing of of well if they're gay you know it's like well no they might be bisexual they just can't understand that so what i'm saying yeah. is was, was bisexuality ever discussed or was it ever mentioned in your early years i guess not but um bisexuality is one of these kind of one of these kind of things that people they they know like what it is generally but they don't always like you say ascribe that kind of you know those things to like kind of like those kind of behaviors to the identity of bisexuality you know it always is coded in this like dichotomous way of like straight or gay or things like that um but um yeah it's uh it's interesting like i you know i still came out um as as bi and that was it's always like a kind of you know it, it it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to kind of broach because i think there are so many like misconceptions and misunderstandings about what exactly it is yeah no definitely you yeah you're right it's like it's it's annoyingly hard for people to grasp but even though they're kind of like you kind of know generally um what bisexuality is whereas that there's like i definitely knew what it was I, I couldn't tell you when i learned what it was in the same way that 
um, not necessarily like new sexualities, but um, I used to uh, do research on asexuality, and there was definitely a moment for some people where they like they felt a certain way, and then they discovered what that thing was. Yeah, um, yeah, what asexuality yeah. was, but I feel like this is kind of general cultural understanding of what bisexuality exactly is, um, and it being kind of one of the the like the big three or like big four sexualities, like gay, lesbian, straight, bisexual sort of thing. Did you um, um, did you in your journey, um, you know, like some of us started off, you know, the first relationship I had was was with a man. And I went through that whole period of thinking, well, I must be gay, kind of thing. And then, and then later on, I'd think, well, actually, I do, fan- I still fancy women, and blah blah blah, and all that kind of thing. Well, how was that for you? Did you was your first relationship a, a homosexual or heterosexual relationship? And you know, tell us a bit about that. Your experience in that sense. I'd say probably the first person I fell in love with was a man, um, but I always had like attraction to women as well. Um, like both romantic and sexual attraction, and yeah, I I think uh, that, I, and I did identify as gay at some points as well. Um, but it was always kind of the wrong, like it was always like I was always bi, really. I think, um, or or maybe I was kind of like gay for a bit, and you know it was a bit bit more fluid. But um, yeah, I think there has there's always been kind of more than one attraction for me between different people. And Would you describe yourself in a percentage term as to how attracted you are or has it changed? Uh, or? I, I would uh, I would probably wouldn't try and quantify <laughs> it. I'd probably say that it, the quality is different for the different people that I have relationships with or that I am attracted to, I would say. I want to know everything. So Sam... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever read any of my articles, but I'm a bit of a, a stat lover because um, it's always good to kind of um, be able to back up what you're saying. It's like, this is an issue. Here's the stats we've got on it. And here's, you know, here's my educated guess at what we need to do to fix it. The one thing that frustrates me to no end with bisexual statistics is, y- you know, you, you really like beggars can't be choosers in one sense, where you find a lot of people haven't surveyed bisexuals properly or asked them properly. You find that we're lumped in with LGBT. So I always find the mental health statistics fascinating. When you look at, they'll say something like X percent of LGBT people struggle with mental health. And it's like, well, that's such a, a vast amount of people. I can't really learn anything from that. And what yeah, exactly. what issues a trans person might be facing, a complete difference from what a bi man, a bi woman might be facing, a bi trans person might be facing. So this really tells me nothing. So it's pointless, which really irritates me when people like Public Health Inland pat themselves on the back for it. But then also I find, you know, if you don't get a good researcher that actually understands bisexual issues, they they don't really know what to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, it's, it's only like very recently that we started to kind of break up the lgbt thing and look at those things individually and i i think um one of the the like strongest recommendations for researching bisexuality is that you do just that you just research bisexuality um in in my case i thought i was just going to be um researching by men and i use men in like a, a broad term to mean like cis and trans men but mm-hmm. it it kind of became broader when I was incorporating like people's partners' experiences as well because that's something I didn't want to avoid really. But yeah, it's um, I don't think 
being by myself is it has its advantages and disadvantages when you're looking at studying bisexuality because you know obviously my my particular experiences are not universal in any way and the thing about bisexuality is it is so it is so broad you know because it's not this um it, it's not this this one thing you know i mean no, no one's no one's like sexual experiences or like sexuality is this is this one thing to study but i feel like bisexuality is a particularly broad you know thing that people experience uh, the thing that people experience you know i think that's one of the hardest things about it though isn't it because if you speak to gay men you know a lot of them will have a very similar story but if you speak to bisexuals, you know, some of them could be like, yeah, I'm bisexual, but I've never had sex with a woman or I've never had sex with a man or, mm. you know, I, I, I have a romantic attraction this way or, or I, I'm more attracted to men in this way and I'm more attracted to women in that way. And it's it's such a hard thing. I, I feel like you could get 15 bisexuals in a room and not one of them would have the same version of bisexuality and certainly not the same experience. So it's very hard for researchers to kind of figure out what should we be looking at and how do we get a common consensus on it. Uh, one of the things that's always bugged me to no end is that we've never, to my knowledge, and I do a lot of Googling, looked at bisexual people and their attitude towards safe sex and how that varies by gender or sex. So unofficially, you know, I've met a lot of other bisexual guys through doing what I'm doing and they will tell me off the record that, oh, I always use condoms with men but I'm a little bit more lax with women. And I'm like, well, if that's true and if that's widespread, we need to look at that. And we need to maybe look at, you know, how a safe sex message for gay men is going to be different for a safe sex message for bisexual men, for bisexual women. I wonder if there's anything you've you've done around that topic. Um, not as such, but there definitely still is the specter of like HIV AIDS over, particularly around like bisexual men. Um, and we're only starting to kind of like get beyond those kind of um those stereotypes that were perpetuated in the media so aggressively in, during the 1980s where that's the only thing you heard about bisexual men was that they were just vectors for aids mm-hmm. um and that has obviously had like really damaging implications for people's attitudes about bisexual men and particularly like attitudinal research in the US is still you know bisexual men still come lowest out of you know gay men lesbians and bisexual women and that's that's one of the that's one of the biggest factors in, in people's misconceptions about that my, do you think that my... research could help us out of that as in like you know if we if we if you know we found out you know 45 percent of bisexuals regularly get tested for stis um compared to just 13 percent of straight people that 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 then we could actually put that on the table because one of the things i find with sexual health is we're only ever looked at if gay men are looked at and then it's that's x percent of gay bisexual men and it's not really helping because i think a lot of bisexual people are really responsible you know a lot of the bi people i talk to you know they are getting regularly tested but i'm just like we've never really focused on their on their um, sexual behavior properly and, and ask questions only relevant to bisexuals rather than questions that kind of fit gay and bisexual men. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the recommendations that um, Meg John Barker and other people have made for guidelines for writing and researching about bisexuality is that you need to study, you know, just bisexuality, not not lump them in with other categories, you know, like just, you know, talking broadly about LGBT people or um bisexual and gay and bisexual men so 
like health is really not my area and i i need to be i need to be up front, <laughs> up front about that but um it's it's it can be difficult when you, when you're talking about um studies of health because um you know just doing like surveys of like people's um safe sex practices like that that's really good but i i think if you're talking about like influencing broader perceptions i just think there needs to be some kind of better uh, people don't always listen to stats which is you know um which is you know annoying sometimes like but well it, um, it's kind it's kind of um, understandable well well st- st- lewis is lewis loves his stats so he listens yeah. to stats all the time I will. all the time yeah. um but, but but sam just just um just before we go on to discuss uh, in more detail about your research and what you've found and the kind of things you've you've done how easy is it in the first place to carry out research into people who are bisexual i mean you know when we're you know we're you know journalists and activists doing this this show and we've me lewis and nikki nikki's not here this week but you know we've been doing things in this arena for quite a long time and you know i i produced with nikki a couple of years ago a uh, a program for the world service on on being bisexual and we've produced a few others and it's always really hard to try and find people genuinely who will openly talk about being bisexual so how is how difficult has it been for you to actually find the right people to to speak to well i started off by um i started with a list of lgbt organizations so i had about 100 100 to 120 lgbt organizations um just in scotland i was looking at um, and I emailed every single one of them, and in the end, and then I set up a Facebook and a Twitter, um, and in the end, I got I think twenty seven participants. So it's I think ha- having like a compared with like broader LGBT organisations, um, or just like lesbian organisations or gay organisations there just aren't as many like by community organizations there are there are a lot more than there used to be the other issue i suppose is as well and again you know lewis and i have discussed this many times before is the the community organizations or the organizations that are you know do have bisexual in the title tend to be of a certain type sometimes they might be academic they might be you know specialists in a particular way but often around people who are very comfortable about being uh, bisexual and of course there's loads and loads of people out there you know, uh, who, who, are hit, who where bisexuality is hidden and getting to them yeah. is really hard, isn't it? You know, so we're, we're only scratching the surface, really, aren't we? Yeah, that's the thing is it is a bit like an iceberg in that um, you have maybe maybe a small uh, subset of people who are bisexual and are open about it and who do do identify as that. There are certainly like far more people who um, have, you know, same sex behaviour as in they you know they they do that and are also maybe in you know in relationships with um, is this the people we call men men who have sex with men msm yeah that's 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 what (laughs) that's what you you yeah that's what the the health literature calls it anyway but um yeah and it's it's interesting why people feel so i don't know why they don't feel able to adopt that identity and I think that's that's kind of one of these big questions that is uh, that I don't know that there needs to be more research into I suppose like why why people don't identify with this um, with this label as much. I had participants who said they 
don't necessarily identify more with a broader LGBT movement or who maybe don't identify as queer but identify as bi but um, it'd be interesting to talk to people who like you said to use the term uh, maybe like men who have sex with men yeah um and and kind of get their understandings of why they why they resist the label bisexual well why don't you because we've covered quite a lot already to talk we've gone all over the place health and and statistics and god as well why don't you just hone down uh, for us now tell us a little bit about the research you've carried out and the interesting things you've discovered and found and then lewis and i'll I'll jump in and ask you some supplementaries yeah sure um so um my research is about um, it started out as a kind of with like a, a concrete social problem that is you know people don't like bisexual people and I wanted to explore that a bit further so I interviewed um, and really I was interested in how kind of biphobia or bi negativity as some people call it impacts pe- people in their relationships and so I interviewed um, bi plus people so that's um, bi pan and queer people who were in relationships but i also interviewed some uh, single people and i also interviewed uh, their partners as well so and i wanted to get to know what their experiences of bisexuality as an identity was like but also what their experiences of what it's like to be in a relationship as a bisexual person and what it's like to be in a relationship with a bisexual person um and also how this kind of you know, by negativity affects people in relationships and what that can do to relationships and what that kind of can do to people as well um, and how they deal with that and how they negotiate that. Um, and one of the major things that made me want to explore this was um, a book called The Changing Dynamics of Bisexual Men's Lives by Eric Anderson and Mark McCormack. And they interviewed loads of bisexual men. They interviewed like 90 by bi- 90 bisexual men um which is like loads in qualitative terms um if you're just doing interview research like surveys obviously can be a lot bigger but um to sit down and interview 90 bisexual men um and the message was very much like things are getting better and things can only get better and i kind of was like you know living in the times of trump and brexit and how we've seen this kind of like right wing backlash against a lot of the kind of more liberal, the more liberal society that we're living, that we were living in, you know, um, pre 2016, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's kind of what the, the prelude to my, uh, research was like. And then I went out and I interviewed loads of people. Um, I was initially just going to interview people in Scotland, but then I ended up interviewing people from all over the UK um, pretty much everywhere except for Northern Ireland. I couldn't get any participants in Northern Ireland, unfortunately. Um, I interviewed um, uh, monogamous couples. I interviewed polyamorous couples, non-monogamous couples, uh, or not couples, I should say. <laughs> I interviewed, uh, yeah, polyamorous um, partnerships. And yeah, I I wanted to kind of get a broad idea of what like of what bi experiences are like in the UK at this particular moment in time a time where we're seeing kind of like rights under threat and some kind of like backpedaling on a lot of things that were happening kind of before Trump and Brexit basically um so yeah that's that's kind of what I went out and did and um I'm kind of in the middle of writing up my findings chapters at the moment but just hearing 
how like complex people's lives have been it was good to get a get a notion that like things were better for some people in some ways but it's certainly more complicated than the initial than the initial book that I was reading about this I did some work I did a a, a piece with Eric Anderson and with uh, Mark a few years ago actually uh, before 2016 it was all to do with they were looking at relationships between straight men actually they were talking about how you know the affection that straight men have for each other, the sort of bromance yeah. kind of thing, and and they were saying that was a bigger thing than than uh, previously been thought. And Eric's always been fairly positive with these things. You know, he's always so. I I think um, I think you're right because I remember at the time when I was talking to Eric, I thought to myself, you know, it, it all sounds great, but you know, is that really the reality on the ground? You know what I mean? It was, I was sort yeah. of I was a little bit little bit skeptical, but. So what generally, just give us a little bit of a summary of the kind of interesting things you found and are there any surprises in terms of, you know, people's experiences, things that you, you, you've been shocked by? There are certainly things I have been shocked by and uh, one of them was that, um, like, in Manchester and Brighton, um, Brighton's, like, where I'm from. Um, I, you know, my dad still lives there. Like, hearing people's, you know, going through things like like being like verbally shouted at the street or having stones thrown at them in places like Manchester and Brighton was like that was really shocking to me I was like particularly to hear you know participants going through that that's a shocking thing in itself but in these kind of like you know what we considered like the gay capitals perhaps of the UK was was really it was very shocking but I think on the other side of that I'm finding that education about sexuality and like sexuality in schools like post section 28 um which was only like repealed in like 2005 or something um it's it's so much better now actually hearing these things talked about in schools and I feel like there is a good um there is like a kind of like good youth movement growing around this particularly with the like the campaign in Scotland time for inclusive education I think that's been a huge um factor for getting more acceptance of um of sexualities in general in in scotland and you see the effect of these things of you know people who i'm interviewing because i'm mainly interviewing young people around kind of my age um and sometimes younger sometimes a bit older but they're saying that you know people who've grown up with more inclusive education they don't have as much well they don't have any uh, like internalized uh, biphobia or homophobia and things like that and that's just so huge you know there's this you know the kind of narrative ar- around being kind of closeted and being ashamed and you know feeling all these horrible things but it's just so great to hear young people saying that they're not they're not going through that and they're not like doing that you know these horrible things aren't happening to them so it's kind of it's kind of both both ways i i, I want to paint an honest picture of what it's like you know, at the moment and the kind of things that people have gone through. Um, but, you know, and some of those things are, are like really shocking and surprising. And I'm aware as well that my, you know, I, I didn't, you know, do a huge survey or big stats and things like that. But the fact that these, these like isolated incidents, you know, that, that, that hate crimes are happening in like, in, you know, gay capitals, as I put it, um, that is kind of shocking. But, you know, there is this kind of, um, this other side to it as well, where I feel like there is actually a you know a growing 
movement of young people who are really rejecting a lot of homophobia and just not, you know, just not playing that game, basically. How much of it is biphobia, though, rather than homophobia, do you know? Um, it's They're always quite difficult to disentangle because, I, I mean, homophobia is, like, you know, it is one of the roots of biphobia. Mm. Um, but I think, particularly in relationships, that's where you kind of see the biphobia come through. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and being being misunderstood, being misread, mm. being erased, you know, in those relationships, you know, having, there's some participants who, uh, like, in, you know, queer settings and still having their, their sexualities misread and just saying, you know, them being in relationships, but being basically called, like, functionally gay or something like that. Well, Lewis, you've had that, haven't you? You've, yeah. you've experienced that, haven't you, Lewis? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like biphobia is subtler, but, you know, I think it is it, it can be just as damaging, you know? Well, we say that it's subtler, but I think, and I'd have to pull them up, but I, I know the stats on bisexual domestic abuse is sky high. Yeah, it um, is. Especially compared to with, with gay and lesbian people. Um, I know we talked on the podcast maybe last week, Ash, or the week before, about bisexuals being resistant to leave, because obviously when they leave their relationship, they're not just leaving a relationship, they're leaving that whole culture and way of life, you know? They're, they're leaving, you know, th- their connection to the LGBT community if they leave their same-sex partner, and there's a lot of stuff they're leaving if they leave uh, an opposite-sex partner. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to know more research you've got on kind of relationships and what and why people say why people leave and uh, and i know like you know because i i wouldn't describe it i guess as subtle um there, there definitely is subtle like i've had that in, in past relationships where it was subtle um but yeah anything anything more you can tell us on relationships is quite interesting well um like pretty much everything that i did on relationships had a happy ending which i was really like I was really pleased about so people were bisexuals love a happy ending (laughs) yeah (laughs) so they were just you know it was it was really nice to hear people coming to a place where they felt accepted by their partners almost all I think there were maybe two participants um who weren't in relationships with other bisexual people so almost all the people I interviewed were in relationships with bisexual people um but just because, you know, I, I think, and people talked a lot about that being one of the things that there was the shared understanding and this kind of real, like, they found a place of safety in those relationships. And it was really, really positive. And it was really nice to to hear about that and um, to, yeah, to to kind of, like, listen to those stories where they said they'd finally, you know, met a partner who understood them and um a lot of people talk about previous partners and i there was one participant who who lived in quite a rural place um and had later found out that that their partner was um was bisexual after they split up and then threatened to out them to the whole community so that was like pretty that was like pretty horrendous um to like kind of threaten in you know in such a in such a local context to to out somebody like that 33 percent of bisexuals usually feel comfortable revealing their sexuality to their gp and 28 percent of bisexuals never feel comfortable 
revealing their their sexual orientation to their GP. Um, and there was another stat I, I saw that was uh, bisexual men are left vulnerable um, to diseases because their public health needs are often unmet. So I just wondered if you had any kind of anything you could add on, on why bisexual people are so resistant to sort of come out to um, their, their GPs. And, and and obviously that has a knock-on effect with GPs not being able to to monitor that certain things are going on with bisexual health um, and also not being able to kind of, you know, be trained in, in what to look out for. I think that um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before of I think there's a real, like, worry that you're going to be, like, as a bisexual man, that that you're worried that you're going to be kind of, like, medicalized, really, in that sense of being viewed as, like, a potential, like, AIDS or HIV carrier. Because I, I feel like that's the only context that, that you know, other than, other than the kind of, like, mental health context that, that medical professionals really use around particularly bisexual men? Um, so obviously I write a lot of articles and I, and I get a lot of bisexual men from all around the world kind of reaching out to me on the back of those articles and sharing their experiences. And the two things I always find with bisexual men that, that, that are the issues are, number one, they don't feel that women are going to take them seriously if they come out. Um, you know, I think there's stats that was that were done by Glamour magazine or whatever it was that found that only a third of, of women or nine, I think it was maybe 19% of women would date a man who's had sex with another man. And the other the other people I, that reach out to me are married men who have, you know, knew they were bisexual, but kind of kept it to themselves. They didn't think it was relevant because they were in love with a woman. But now it's three decades decades four kids and a mortgage later and, the, and they they want to know that they're loved by the person they're with and that they they don't want to play this straight character anymore and they and they want to come out to them so i just wondered if you if you'd had any experience or any research with people that had struggled with either coming out to their partner or or either the, the stigma that i think a lot of bisexual men feel that if i come out no woman is gonna want to date me anymore so I have like personal experience with this because it's I think it's kind of one of the things that prompted of me like like doing the whole PhD in the first place is because I, I kind of you know tell this you know slightly um I don't know it's 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 a, it's a bit of a hyperbolic story about being sort of um being sort of bitter being a bitter and single bisexual man um and then uh and like doing a whole PhD on like why people won't date me and things like that. I think that was kind of like originally what I, that's like one of the like original, like kind of funny sort of, you know, slightly sarcastic stories that I, that I've told people because like talking about your, your PhD just in everyday conversation is, I don't know, it's a bit, it's a bit more interesting than just, you know, laying out the whole proposal to people. Um, but that's like certainly one of the things that I had found initially you know, just through my personal experience, and that is to a certain extent reflected in the in the like PhD that I've done, um, and the people that I've talked to is that um, I think people just they don't they you know people don't like uh, people just don't like <laughs> having bisexual partners sometimes, and that um, it's a real shame. Like, and it's uh, it's a strange it's a strange thing to 
you know, to have to deal with because I feel like everyone has the right to be like loved and valued by other people, right? You mentioned it just now about going to the, we're talking about going to the doctor and not wanting to be open about it. And every single week we seem to come come across this particular issue. Um, do you think a lot of it is really down to again the word sex in bisexual? The fact that everyone thinks that you literally because you're bisexual then you're supposed to be extra promiscuous, and that's the problem people can't get over is the is it's not the sexuality is the issue. Is the fact that they they literally think in terms of sex itself, and they think that we're just well the whole thing of everyone everyone says we're greedy, don't they? They think we're probably more promiscuous than than other people are. Do you think that is the misconception more than anything? I think that there's part of that, and certainly stereotypes can be really harmful, and that's one of the things I've connected in my research with this kind of the broader stats around um, intimate partner violence and things like that. Um, of it's like way higher for bisexual women, and that then you realise like how just how at risk um, like bisexual women are of intimate partner violence because of these like harmful stereotypes around promiscuity, around bisexuality. Um, but I feel like like promiscuity like is how how much then again is that you know really looked down upon now really i'd like what is like in the context of a of a relationship like if you like if people are view their partners as like promiscuous and untrustworthy obviously that that's a problem but if you're talking more generally i would say that um like i i think it's it's pretty okay to to be promiscuous i don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with that um i think there's still definitely the component of of like homophobia really um so i think that like harmful like harmful stereotypes come into that but i think there are a lot of people who who are homophobic in ways that they don't even realize that they you know that they you know might have gay friends but they'd never date a bisexual man for example well, is there anything else? I thought it was really interesting earlier when you said a lot of the people that you've spoken to are in relationships with other bisexuals. Um, bisexual people, by our nature, we're really the only ones that date outside of our sexual orientation. So gay men can only really date gay men. Straight people can only really date straight people. Um, bisexuals, we can date bi, gay, straight. So we're, we're constantly infringing on other people's culture and their way of doing things. And I've definitely myself found a lot of, a lot of differences between what's acceptable dating a man and, and what's acceptable dating a woman. So do you think that maybe that plays a little bit of a part in it? Yeah, I, th- I think... Um like in groups all of those are just in groups and that they do have their own cultures and things like that and i think one of the important things to do like within bisexuality is like kind of growing a a bisexual culture and like having you know having shared things across things because it's like what we were talking about earlier where it's so diverse that um you know that that you don't see a lot of the similarities whereas you do kind of see more of those like in-group similarities with straight people or with gay or lesbian people um so i think having a like a shared culture is important but i feel like people can um can kind of like build this kind of like shared this these shared experiences like through relationships and i think that's one of the really nice things about like the work that i do is like hearing people's 
shared experiences and the way that they kind of talk about those things through relationships. I wonder how common it is, though, because, I mean, you've done, you're looking at younger people uh, yeah. for a start. And, of course, you, the way in which you've managed to find these people is through groups that um, call themselves bisexual. So the chances are that, that you know, like we said at the beginning, a lot of these people are probably fairly at home and happy in accepting their bisexuality. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit like me, Lewis and Nikki. We're all three of us are in um in 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 relationships where our partners are very accepting you know i'm in a i'm in a, a gay relationship with my partner hasn't got a problem with bisexual lewis and nikki are both in um you know straight facing relationships where their partners are happy with it as well but i do feel as though those people that you've you've been talking to uh the majority and 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 we and we are, are actually very much it feels to me, actually, I think we are very much in the minority. I suppose younger people, it's really heartening, actually, to hear that there are younger people dating other bisexuals and they're, they're finding people of like mind, and that's that's lovely. But it's very hard, even with somebody like me uh, and Lewis, uh, who, who are both uh, actively and openly bisexual, I, can't, I can count on one hand, less than one hand, how many people I know who are genuinely out as bisexual men. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, yes, the younger end are probably starting, hopefully, to, um, you know, accept things and not be an issue and all the rest of it. And maybe in 20 years' time, we'll have no issues at all. But, of course, there's a whole swathe of people, you know, from 30 upwards, who have probably spent an entire lifetime not being able to talk about being bisexual at all. I mean, it's in many ways, it's like a you feel so, so at some point when it's suddenly accepted that everyone can talk about being bisexual that it's going to be an, a huge exp- bisexual explosion, as it were. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a really weird situation we're in, really, because the media doesn't like to talk about it, and when mm. they do, they they shove it in a in a in a, a little cupboard again and say everyone's gay, everyone's gay or suddenly turn somebody straight or whatever. Um, mm. It's it's hard, isn't it, to really know? I mean, it's great that what you're doing and the the, the, the actual you know the research you found is very positive, but you know how how um, representative do you think that is well my research i i don't claim no. it to be you know nationally representative no, or, or anything like that but i think it's interesting talking about these um these different like age cohorts really and how it kind of never goes away as well because you you because they those kind of cultures tend to stay within those age cohorts so i while i it feels like things are getting better they might only get better for that younger generation and it's about like having access to this kind of shared community and if you are an older person perhaps who feels kind of alienated from those communities that can be really really difficult and that can be like an enduring problem that stays with you because you're you're kind of like seeing like good things happening or maybe you're not maybe you're not even you know in that kind of bubble where things are getting more positive um and yeah it can can be it can be a very difficult thing to um to deal with because we tend to only associate with people who are like like pretty much as like around roughly the same age as us um and you know that that kind of presents 
a problem. Really. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that is a problem. And it's something that's, you know, I'm 47. That is something that's changed, actually. That's become a, a more recent thing. You know, when I was in my early 20s, people in the early 20s did associate quite a lot with people in the 30s and 40s. You know, some of my best friends were 20 years older than me. So, yeah. you know, it, it, things have changed in that way, which is which I find quite quite sad in a way. But I think the whole thing about being bisexual for me is that most of my life, it's been a case of constantly having to come out Constantly having to explain yourself, constantly having to, you know, it's all right if you if you come out as gay. That's often with a lot of people. That's it. You're done. Whereas with yeah. being bisexual, you're constantly having to explain it. And the other thing about the people you've interviewed, and this is no disrespect to your research. I know I know the limitations yeah. of what you've done, but I wonder also whether or not they're they're from a particular background as well. Some of them might be I don't know, but they may be you know from middle class backgrounds, more accepting backgrounds, or whatever. I still wonder whether the, the you know the 22 year old man in a working class estate in wherever, um, he's still maybe struggling to find anybody to talk to about his, uh, his bisexuality. What do you think, Lewis? Um, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> bisexuality is a very isolating sexuality. That's why we're doing this podcast, and that's what I find with a lot of people that they reach out to me is that they're like, I've never even heard anyone talk about this before. This is, this is crazy. Um, and, you know, I, I do think genuinely some people struggle to put a label on it or, or until they read the description of a bisexual experience, don't realize that that's what they've experienced in some ways. Mm-hmm. I have got two more questions, Chris. And to be honest, I, I could talk to you all night. I really could. Two main questions that I'm not going to let you go off this call without answering. I think it's great that, that the younger generation are more open and they're more coming out. We've kind of heard all this. Mm. In your opinion... Do you think the world is ready for it? Because one of the things I've wrestled with, with the work I've done of kind of like encouraging more bisexuals to be out and open is, am I leading them to failure? Because are they going to come out and then they're going to fall into all of the same hardships that I've had and bisexuals before me have had? Is the world ready? And are are the processes there to help bisexuals? So we've talked about, you know, a lot of the the sexual health stuff is really gay focused and they're just kind of shoving bisexuals in as that'll do. You know, if we encourage a lot more people to come out, are, are we ready to, to house it? You know, we don't have bisexual bars or anything like that or, or places they can meet um, that the sexual health research is lacking. Like, are we ready to, to really handle them? And if they come out and then they suddenly become subject to more and more prejudice, that are we ready for it? Is, I guess the weird question I'm asking you. I don't think it's a weird question at all. I think it's a really good question. I think we have to, like, like rights and, you know, fighting for things to be better is a never-ending process. We always have to fight to improve conditions for, like, everyone, you know. And, yeah, and once those things have been, you know, once we can't like kind of sit idly once those things have been fought and won for we have to keep maintaining that fight you know all the time which is you know the the kind of things that we want to achieve like is the is the world like ready for bisexuality like no it's 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 not entirely ready but we have to kind of shore up the areas that that need work because in some ways yes but in some ways no and we always have to like work on those like problem areas and like flesh them out as much as we can and make sure that you know things you know as as many people as possible 
you know have the best experiences as possible um and i think that uh if you're an activist and you're engaging in you know in these kind of fights it's you know your work is never over which is is kind of like disappointing but i'm i would say i'm like an idealist in in the sense that there's this very like good society that i that i want to see or there's there are these like values that i have and i'm constantly striving towards them and like it, you can only kind of go forward from that as well so that's kind of what i'd say i like that it's going to be messy but we'll get there yeah <laughs> um i lied i have two more questions that's okay, that's <laughs> um, <laughs> um so Obviously, I think everyone on this episode probably, you know, the, the more we're around bisexual people, the more we notice little things and we're like, oh, I wonder if that's... That. And one of the things I've always struggled with really is like, oh, is there a bi culture? And oh, bisexual people seem to be drawn to comic books and we like sci-fi and is there something there? You know, because you're searching for, for a culture and a place to belong. But one of the things that I have noticed is a lot of um, bisexuals I've spoken to are dyslexic, um, including myself. And I've always wondered if there is a link between being dyslexic and being bisexual, because because it's just so the, the amount of people I've met that are bisexual, they're like, oh, I'm also dyslexic. I'm like, I wonder if it because I don't look at being dyslexic as a as a as a disability. I look at it as just my brain works in a different way. And could there be a link? And I don't know if there's ever been any research done, not to my knowledge. But but do you re- reckon stuff like that will eventually be looked at as like that there might because I know that obviously. There was research done recently looking at autism and trans people. Um, uh, you know, so I, I just wonder if there, there would be do- something done similar with bisexuality. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I would say uh, correlation doesn't necessarily imply causation, but mm-hmm. um, that's that's a big very thing. true. But um, yeah, and yeah, when you're talking about dyslexia as, as being something, you know that you know it's just it's just difference it's not you know disability mm. which i well i see the world differently to a lot of people and then yeah. i i'm wondering is there a with seeing you know gender and sex as not being that big of an issue as it is for some other people is there is there a is there a link there i've always wondered and you're a researcher so i just had to ask it um I guess my final question is, right, the reason I love research is because it informs our thinking and it kind of says, look, this is where we are, This, and then we can kind of say, like, right, this is where we need to be and this is how we need to improve. Like, you know, a lot of the times I'll look at research and I'll be like, my best guesstimate uh, is, is that we maybe need to do this to try and improve it. So as a researcher, what would your recommendations be for how we can improve the existence of bisexuals? I think that um, the more we do to kind of just the more we do to normalize or make monogamy less compulsory, I think that kind of like strikes at some of the heart of why people are biphobic, basically. So I think the more we sort of dismantle a lot of notions around you know around romantic love and around sexuality the more we kind of like bust these myths around that the better i think because actually what you'll find is that they hold up certain ways of living your life 
and they restrict other ways of people living their life, like being bisexual, for example. So I think monogamy is one of those things that, you know, we can... I I, I think we can't demonize people who are non-monogamous and we can't alienate them you know in order to try and get more credence for like ourselves as bisexuals like we have to like include them in the conversation there and not be like oh no we're not like these people over here because like some of us are like those people over there and the the broader we can kind of you know question these these big myths and these big structures you know about and these big notions about love and sex i think the better things are going to be for bisexual people they they hold up a lot of like a, a lot of things that people didn't really ne- necessarily realize like like i don't think gay people and lesbians necessarily realized that you know monosexism is one of the things that like is is holding that thing up and that is looking down upon bisexual bisexual people yeah, I mean, I mean, I ha- always have this issue whereby I'm always uncomfortable saying it as well because you know this thing of oh, just because I'm bisexual doesn't mean to say I'm not monogamous. It's as though you're sort of apologising all the time for the fact that some people might be promiscuous or might be in yeah. relationships where having threesomes or foursomes or whatever, as though that's that's a problem, that's an issue. And I think you're right. I think that is a problem for me. It's we should replace the whole thing of everybody wanting to be monogamous with the issue of trust a bit more, really. I, yeah. You can be in a relationship with somebody and have a, a loving relationship, being committed to that person, and still have sexual relations maybe with other people or whatever it may be, or, or you might actually feel emotionally attached to somebody else in a way, uh, even though you're still in a full-time relationship. Do you know what I mean? The complexity of that, I think we're all complex human beings. I, don't, I personally don't think we're were programmed to be with one person emotionally or sexually exclusively all our lives and of course that's the thing that everyone is sort of grappling for all the time oh i need to settle down with one person you know nobody else matters and blah blah. so i I think that i think you're right i think that is a a a real um a real a real problem and the, the 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 thing i was gonna ask you about in terms of the conversations you've had with some of the people you've spoken to did you get an idea in the in the conversations you had with them about their their attraction in terms of being a bisexual person that some of them were sort of in certain circumstances more emotionally attracted to certain uh, you know men or women or more sexually attracted to another you know because there often often there is a a variant here isn't there you know people will find themselves more emotionally attracted to men and more sexually attracted to women and 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 so what I'm saying is sexuality is far more than just the whole thing of sexual attraction. It's an emotional attraction as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge and wonderful and complex thing, you know. Um, and it's you know it's you know how how we are attached to each other and how we are attracted to each other just it takes on so many forms, you know. Like um, and yeah, it was it the people I spoke to, it was very much, I, I wasn't, I wasn't prescriptive in the ways that I defined bisexuality or, um, pansexuality or some people call it plurisexuality. I prefer the term bi plus, I think, but, um, I, I, I wanted to know from them how they defined that as basically. So that was one of the questions I asked, like, how do you personally 
define like that sexual identity that you have and it was just so it was just so broad you know um some some people gave like you know very short answer to that question and some people really really elaborated you know quite a lot and yeah it was there's just like such diversity and i don't i don't think that's necessarily um i don't think that's necessarily limited to bisexual people either because i i think once we kind of break beyond the category of you know gay straight bisexual lesbian like there's just so much more that's contained within human experience than you know than just a kind of even just a a kind of a even like a spectrum of of things that you know like a a sliding scale of you know romantic and sexual attraction you know there's there's all kinds of things that that people experience you know and but, but we're, we're never going to be able to quantify that <laughs> probably, but the, i think but the hurdle we've got to get over in the meantime i suppose is is the whole issue of portrayal isn't it well while you've yeah. still got while you've still got dramas and comedies and films and you know the media generally gets excited about people having affairs and all yeah. those kind of things while we've still got that sort of prism of which everything is focused on then it's going to be it's going to be a struggle i mean there aren't you know we've had this broad conversation uh, on bisexual brunch but how many places do you find this kind of conversation really to be fair you know what i mean yeah well i think that's another thing is like representation can always be better um and yeah i'd like to just it it's always kind of i don't know i i don't i you know i write non-fiction things i write you know uh i'm writing my thesis but uh to kind of get nuanced and complex like characters portrayed on the screen i think is like amazing and if people can pull that off i just think you know there needs to be a real like way of doing that that you know avoids just like stereotypes about you know people and particularly with like bisexual people or just exploring characters if you're going to have characters that are bisexual make them make them complicated you know make them real people you know i think i think that that's how you kind of get to the bottom of that problem but then there's the kind of other angle of you know how do we how do we represent such a diverse group of people and maybe there does need to be some kind of like common threads that we need to put into that i could imagine maybe 15 20 years ago like late 1990s I could imagine the actual complexity of bisexuality if it if it, if if the things had become a bit more open and people had been able to talk about it. I could imagine that of being accepted at that point. Um, but si- since things have changed in the last sort of twenty years, technology and various other things have come on board, and obviously the the, the binaries in terms of politics and whatever, it feels as though we've actually gone backwards a bit, and we're now battling a whole uh, sort of weird world in which everything is one thing or another. And we're we're and we're too complicated for that simplistic world that's being developed. You know what I mean? And I think that's our main battle in some respects is that is dealing with that. You know, because people for some reason we seem to be in a world where everybody wants something to be, you know, right or wrong, left or right, you know, good or bad or whatever. And bisexuality doesn't fit into that sort of neat little box, does it? Really? And that and I think that's a new struggle in a way that we've got that this you know sort of everything's got to be so binary and. A, I find it quite. I find it actually really, really depressing. But that's our fight. I think that's our new, new fight. And it's not just a fight for bisexuals. It's a fight for anybody who, who, who doesn't fit into any narrow little field, as it were. 
Yeah, I think um, with uh, people like Judith Butler and like queer theory, when that kind of happened in the in the nineties, there was like a real optimism about let's explode these binaries, let's like destroy these categories, like deconstruct everything, and that kind of promise has yet to be fulfilled, really, in that we're... And that's kind of one of the good things about bisexuality as well, is it kind of exposes that, oh no, there is still, like, a lot of this at play, with, even within gender and sexuality. We're not talking as broadly. But I think, yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely... It, it's quite an exciting thing to, to, to aim for as well, is kind of not, like, you know, tear everything down exactly, but let's just we can do things in a in a more nuanced way and you know we can deconstruct things to build them back up to make them better kind of thing and i think that um yeah we do we are living in a very polarized world at the moment but there's there's always something we can be we can do about it you know and it, it can be quite depressing and like some of the some of the that's something i wrestle with you know every day is you know it's you know, modern life is a bit rubbish, isn't it? But, you know, we have to kind of, I feel, although I, I was kind of like um, being a bit, you know, mean about what in my view is kind of like naive optimism, I, th- I still think we have to be optimistic about things. Yeah, I mean, we do I, have like the agency to actually make a change in the world. I wonder, better. I wonder actually sometimes, you know, I mean, and I'm, a, and, I'm, and I'm a journalist, but I do wonder sometimes really whether or not the prism in which we see the world through the media isn't the actual reality underneath. You know, we, it, it, it suits journalists to build up these battles between one thing or another, to be fair. And actually, and, and, to, and for everything to be gloomy all the time, and you know, we're going to hell in a handcart and all the rest of it. Um, and actually, underneath it all, what you're saying, actually, is, you know, you found these people who are in relationships who are being very positive with each other, and you know, they're enjoying enjoying their relationships and bisexuality and all the rest of it. So I do wonder, actually, whether whether the problem it actually is is the media, really. You know, and I'm and I'm, I'm criticizing people like me in the sense that I just think I just think maybe it's the media that needs to sit back and actually work out whether or not it's doing the right thing or not, you know, because it's all everything's all hype, 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 you know, and I think that that's uh, I think that's the big uh, big worry worry for me. I think we're we're pushed from one thing to another. I mean, Lewis and I and Nikki every week, you know, since we started, have talked about this story in the news or that story in the news or whatever it may be, and it, you, you are we do tend to get everyone tends to find themselves shove from one thing to another to think in a particular way don't we do you know what i mean so yeah. it's um it's it's quite yeah anyway that my little criticism of the media i'm sure our fellow journalists writing in saying i'm wrong but uh, um any i'm sure lewis you've got something else to ask uh, sam before he uh, leaves us well i mean if we just got so deep just the things <laughs> that is, oh my god we've gotten really deep now society and the media and are we led my goodness trying to find a light question to to kind of um go for i, I mean i think the thing is what you were saying there is really what i found is bisexual people are so complicated and one of the things I've found too is we don't really like to be led, and I think sometimes maybe what I've experienced, and maybe what I, what other bisexuals have kind of shared with me is, after a while, you get used to not conforming, and and that can sometimes be a problem because I, you know I, a lot of bisexuals are unhappy with the LGBT movement, and, and obviously that that's one thing where we're told this is for you and it's helping you, and obviously we we kind of look and we say, well, is it though? Um, they don't they spend about one percent of their funding on us. 
think it is very hard with bisexuals. We don't, sometimes we don't fit in, in almost anywhere, like politically relationships. It's, it's, it's such a minefield sometimes. And, and when you, when you're kind of doing what we're doing and kind of try to get those, it's literally like, well, bisexuals have so many different opinions across any, everything that you can't really group them together in, in, in the way you would any other group in a weird way, which which kind of makes it hard to make content that, that they're going to find useful. Well, should we, we keep, we always talking about it just about every other show. We mentioned the fact that there's no uh, uh, bisexual bars or anything. Why don't the three of us get together and open one in, uh, in Glasgow or willing to pony up the half a mil to get it up and running. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what's needed. I mean, I'll be there. I'll do all the, all the PR for it. But, um, (laughs) But in, in a way, it's the kind, like, it's the kind of thing that's needed, isn't it? Somebody needs to break out and do something like that, really. Doing a good job with the podcast, to be honest. I mean, it's. I think just the more diversity, the better. And you know, just looking over all your episodes, like you have, you know, Shakespeare one week, you know, medieval history the next. It's great. It's like you know, the and you know having talking about by people of color and you know yeah. you can you can go anywhere with it and it's well, Sam, there's, you a, can, there's loads of freedom you can come again you can come again definitely. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> sam it's been lovely to talk to you how um how much more research are you going to be doing how long is it going to take to to finish all this oh well you know um a phd student um perpetual student it feels like but um it should the project should be done and dusted by the 31st of January. That's when my funding runs out anyway. So, um, yeah, so hopefully I'll have something sorted with that, you know, by then. But uh, in the meantime, I've uh, just written an article with some colleagues. You can find it on my Twitter, at uh, Bymen Research is my Twitter handle. Uh, we've just written a response to a big study, which is... Uh, which is proving that bi men exist. So we we have some things to say about this big study. Um, uh, so that's just something I've done recently. Um, if you want to uh, sample some of the things I have to say about bisexuality and research on bisexuality, but um, otherwise, just you have to hold on before you read my thesis and things like that, which will be available fully online. We were talking to the researchers, I think, behind that study. That These are the guys that had done a study 15 years ago saying we didn't exist and now say we do exist. That's right. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah, they changed <laughs> their mind because they had more data. So. Yeah, exactly. 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 Well, we had we had a few one or two things to say about that. And I'm sure people will be able to listen back through the episodes and hear what we what we said about that. But, but Sam, it's been lovely to talk to you. Do keep in touch and um, yeah, do. and all the best of luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. What did you make of that? I mean, it was very, um, it was very positive, uh, which I was surprised at a little bit. But, of course, Sam's sample is quite small and he was taking people from certain, uh, certain backgrounds and things. And sadly, uh, as we both said in the interview... Uh, I don't think that is the complete reality. It's no disrespect to his research because he's obviously focusing on particular people. But yeah, I mean, th- th- we, we need we need vast we need so much more research, don't we? Really? Oh, a hundred percent. This is what keeps me awake at night: the fact that there are questions we're not asking bisexuals, the fact that we can't get the sample sizes, and, and as well, the thing is, you know, bisexual experience. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, 
pictures they do um, online where it's like, there's the iceberg and then underneath it is this ma- even like massive or iceberg. I think that's the thing is like the people researchers can, can talk to, it's no fault of their own. It's such a small sample group, but there's all these massive bisexuals that are hidden that don't I- identify with the label. And it, ju- it panics me because I'm just like, if we can't get a grasp on what's happening, we can't fix it. We can't improve it. So, so that's my one worry, because as I said to him, you know, I sometimes feel guilty when I'm writing these articles that sometimes are positive about being bisexual, positive about coming out. And I don't ever want to feel in the position where I'm setting people up to fail. I'm telling them to come out knowing that there's no research, that the, the sexual health clinics aren't what they need to be, that there's discrimination that we still haven't dealt with. But i got to just believe that, you know, the, the good thing I'll take from what he said was more bisexual people are coming out. I think that means more bisexual people in research organizations, in sexual health clinics, in LGBT organizations saying, hold on, that only seems to be benefiting gay men. Yeah. And now, we'll, we'll sort it out. I thought it was interesting when you, you went off at a tangent, of course, with the dyslexia thing, which is which is it's perfectly fine. Because I think I think you're right. We're all trying to, as bisexual people, we, we, we're trying to work out what our general sort of identity is. And, you know, gay people have got those references, haven't they? They've got, you know, various people through history they can focus in on. And we've got Shakespeare now, of course. But, you know, they've got all those kind of things that they can look at. Whereas we don't have anything really, you sort of, and you feel as though you want some kind of, sort of feel something tangible that says actually this is this is what a bisexual is all about, if you know what I mean. Well, one thing that um, people might laugh at me for is I get really excited when I realise there's a similarity between bisexuals. So there, there was a, an article last year that was like bisexuals can't sit straight, and someone invented a bisexual chair, and I was like. Oh my god, I can't sit straight. I, I can't sit in the same position for more than three minutes. Maybe there's a link. I also, I, I wrote an article suggesting that maybe we should, we'd have better luck bringing bisexuals together at Comic-Con because there seem to be so many bisexual comic writers and so many people by, um, interested in sci-fi that, that are bisexual that I'm like, oh, maybe there's a link there. You know, forget Pride. We'll just all go to, we'll go to Comic-Con then. And yeah, and as I say, obviously being dyslexic, you, you kind of, your ears prick up when someone else talks about being dyslexic. Tim Manley, um, who we interviewed, uh, the actor and writer who wrote The Fields, I think one of the, one of the scenes in one of his episodes, he, he talks about how difficult it is to be noticed as a bisexual, or recognised as a bisexual when you walk down the street. And he said, you know, because obviously, you know, people think of camp men who work, walk in a particular way. And he says, it wouldn't it be great to actually have a bisexual walk? You know, some kind of walk. Mm. We walk in a particular, a different way, maybe to other people. I don't, I don't know. A little <laughs> skip every third step or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, we're on. This week, there's been a lot of talk, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of talk about a rise in um, sexual diseases, uh, STIs, particularly gonorrhea, and a talk about it being a big thing among among um, LGBT people, uh, but there's no mention yet again in the statistics that have come out about specifically about bisexual men. Now I know that they weren't, you know, they don't necessarily bring those statistics out, especially anyway. And this was something which was retrospective, I think, towards the in 2019. It's looking back, but I think there is an issue and a problem uh, going on. I just want thought I'd mention it to you because I know you've often talked about. And you talked about it as well earlier on on the health when we we're talking about health with um, with Sam. You know what can be done? Is anything being done? Is anybody raising this issue apart from you? Is anybody in Parliament mentioning it? Now, how can we get it on the agenda that actually these people who are doing statistics actually properly 
focus in on how, on creating some statistics around bisexual people? You have to do what I'm about to do right now, which is shame them. So this research you are talking about, it's disgusting. You have to shame them exactly like what I'm about to do right now. So bisexuals out there listening to this, this is my tip. Whenever you see an article that's got something to do with bisexuality or, or whatever it is, uh, especially when it's with research, just do control F and type in bisexual, right? This is what I always do. If you then see the bisexuals come up and it's preceded by gay and the research is valid. It's not, it's, it's not valid. It, it should be forgotten and disregarded immediately. I've control left this article. Bisexual's not even mentioned in it. It's, you know, it's the queer men is, in, is mentioned in it. If researchers don't have specific figures to look at bisexuals, it's not worth reading. This is the problem. And this is where we get into a bit of a trouble and you, and you sound like a bad person when we talk about inclusivity. I don't want to be included in stuff like this. You can't not really look at bisexuals that then claim to have research that's of interest to them. And I've had this just too many times with sexual health figures and sexual research where people are saying, oh, you know, this affects gay and bisexual men. You look at it, they can't even tell you how many bisexual people they spoke to. This research is done by Public Health England. Glad to see the back of them because every piece of research they've done, they couldn't tell you what a what a bisexual man is and how it differs from a gay person. They just couldn't tell you. And I haven't done it with this study, to be honest, because obviously, you know, journalists can write things up whatever they whatever they way they want. But I will I'll go out on a limb here and say the amount of times I've seen articles like this that's by Public Health England. I've then clicked, I've then read through the research, and they couldn't tell you what the difference between gay and bisexual men is. It's disgusting. So yeah, goodbye, Public Health England. Hopefully we'll get some proper researchers that are actually responsible with bisexual people's health. Well, when the new organization is launched, I don't know if they've given it a new name, obviously, I'm not sure yet. Uh, but when it is launched, maybe we should try and see if we can actually get hold of some of the people who are, who are making let's decisions. Let's get them on. Yeah. Let's put them on the spot. Let's make them. Let's make them worry and panic that we're going to come after them with, um, <laughs> with with fire if they don't. Yeah, last week, of course, uh, Lewis, we were talking. Uh, we've been talking for the last few weeks actually about different people coming out as. Uh, as, as bisexual, which is great, and we're hearing these different people announcing their bisexuality. Uh, last week we talked about somebody who'd previously come out as bisexual, but then this week um, her name's Nicola Adams, a uh, boxer uh, who is about to appear in Strictly Come Dancing uh, in, in the UK. She's now said on Twitter that actually she's not bisexual, she's lesbian. Now, of course, people we know go on journeys in different ways, um, but those kind of headlines start to have always annoyed me really because it it's quite difficult isn't it for for for, for people who are who are um, genuinely bisexual when they're faced with those kind of things because everyone then just says ah oh, there you see it's it's just a it's just a lie being bisexual it's all about being gay or lesbian or or whatever and uh you know bisexuality just really doesn't exist kind of thing what what do you make of it i think she needs to apologize and I don't care, and I know that they'll try and um, they'll try and cancel me. Don't don't bother hate tweeting me. I don't read your tweets. I really stand against what she's done here, and I think she does need to apologise. Now, fair enough, because I know people know this about me. 
I don't really know anything about British celebrities, to be honest. Like, I live in London, I could be walking down the street, I wouldn't notice them, um, which probably is a shock to their ego. I'm basing this all on the on the article I've read about Nicola Adams. So it turns out she came out in 2016 in a, in a GQ interview as bisexual. She's spoken about it since in Vogue, um, and now she's come out as lesbian in what looks to be a lip-syncing video saying, I'm lesbian, not bi, just saying. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I, I, I really do agree with this, because the amount of celebrities that have used bisexuality as a stepping stone and have not taken the time to explain it afterwards really angers me. I, myself, know that people have used Ollie Locke's coming out journey as ammunition to disprove that I'm bisexual. It's like, oh, well, yeah, Ollie Locke said that, blah, blah, blah. These celebrities, you're a celebrity. You, you do have a certain responsibility to realize that, you, you know, this Nicola woman, she will be used as, as an example to beat bisexuals with. And the fact that she hasn't addressed it and been responsible and said, look, like, obviously, you know, I said I was bisexual, now I'm lesbian. And, and, and then gone on to clarify that actually, you know, that, that doesn't mean that bisexuality isn't real. The fact that she thinks it's a joke where she can lip sync it, I, I find really disrespectful. Do you think, though, that, I mean, obviously the, the newspapers or whatever have covered it and there's a lot of talk about her at the moment because she's going to Strictly Come Dancing. But, you know, even if she was open, a bit more open about it and said a bit more, explained it a bit more, apologised a bit more or, or said at least actually bisexuality does exist. I'm not, I'm not dissing bisexuality by by saying this, do you think the media would have actually given it any coverage anyway? I think that's a separate issue. The fact is she hasn't said it. I was listening to an interview with um, Rose McGowan the other day, um, and she, she was asked, like, how would Charmed have been a different experience for you if it had happened now? And she said, I would have had social media. When the press would have written stuff about me, I could have taken it to task and, and, and gone on social media and defended myself. You, you can't claim to be Miss misquoted on your own social media you wrote it so i don't think that's an excuse and i I really think we need to put a bit of pressure on these celebrities to to make an apology and to say you you use the cover of bisexual because the thing is ash this is my thing no bisexual has ever added to the stigma that bisexuality is a phase it's only ever been gay people and lesbians that have done it Bisexual people are bisexual and they're there, you know what I mean? And fair enough, sexuality is fluid and, and things can change, but by and large, you know, you're bisexual, that's it. It's gay people and lesbians that have used us as a stepping stone and a shield to get to where they need to be. And I'm not judging people's coming out journey. I, I really want to make that clear. Like, you know, we shouldn't have to come out. Honestly, we shouldn't have to come out. And it's a hard journey. But if you're doing that publicly, you then do have responsibility on your shoulders. You really do. And can I just read out a stat to you, Ash, actually? Yeah, cool. Um, Because you know I love my stats. Yeah. Um, A study found 48% of men that identified as gay now identified as bisexual at a previous point. So almost half of gay men came out as bisexual first. Now, of those, 82% who'd previously said that they were bisexual didn't currently believe they actually were bisexual at the time. Now, I think there is an issue here, and this is why I get so annoyed with LGBT camaraderie sometimes. It's like, actually, a lot of the stigma I face and a lot of the reasons we're not funded properly is because people think that this is a phase. It's like, oh, we're not going to spend money on a phase. We're not going to invest in a phase. We're not going to do research into a phase. Uh, We'll just wait for you to come out the other side. This is an issue, and actually it needs addressing. Um, And I do think that 
certainly for select like and this is it's a very hard one for me because on the one hand it's like i don't want to judge you coming out jenny it was hard you shouldn't have had to do it i get it but on the other hand i'm like well actually what you've done so publicly will be used to bully bisexuals with so that's why i don't have any problems in say nicola adams i i think what you've done here is disgusting i disagree with it and i think that you need to apologize to bisexuals and clarify that bisexuality is valid because you will be used to enforce biphobia whether that was your intention or not whether you thought your little lip sync video was funny or not i think you, you know we, we can't stand for these celebrities to keep doing this she's not the only one there are so many celebrities that have come out as bisexual who have then said oh it was a phase or oh you know i'm gay now or oh no i'm back to being straight or whatever it is and it's not helpful uh, you know, they, they have media coverage. People are looking to them, for some reason, as examples. I really disagree with it, and, and I don't mind being quoted on it. And if I see her at the next Student Pride Awards, I'll be just as off with her as I was with Ollie Locke. <laughs> well, we've had the gospel according to Lewis Oakley tonight, haven't we? That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Lewis. It's been great to present the show with you this week. Nikki, I think, is back next week, isn't she? She so, can pull herself away from sunning herself. I'm sure she might make a verbal appearance. Yes, yes. But, but I mean, what do you think the chances are that you'll be with us next week? If the, What do you think is going to happen? Do you think uh, the baby might come by? <sighs> Who knows? Or? I mean, the baby may be on brand and come on by Visibility Day. I've kind of got a feeling the baby might come this weekend. Who knows? I liked your we'll, mug, um, by the way. This... The mug you were showing off on uh, social media. My man behind the bump mug. Yeah, yeah. I, like I, I figured you've got to get... Get, get all these fun things in where you can't you know what's really weird i'll say is um i'm kind of like already sort of like gonna be missing laura's bump like it's so weird <laughs> that i'm not gonna be like feeling the baby kick anymore that she's gonna be out i was like oh my god i told her you've only got about a week or two left of being the center of attention <laughs> <laughs> lewis thank you very much indeed and we'll uh, see each other hopefully with nikki next week Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at @bisexualbrunch on Twitter. Speak to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Right, I better go. I think Laura's water's just broke. Oh, no. You're joking. You're joking. <laughs> you are joking. Our dog just drowned. <laughs> This program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.